0: It's well. It's not the uniform's fault at all. It's the people who see the uniform mm-hmm. and are sexually attracted to they. Don't, ugh, yeah, mm-hmm. to the uniform. It's awful because they're not even attracted to the person inside it. It's just the, the identifier of that she is under age in that uniform, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, that's well. That's kind of what my thesis is about. Um, it's called the seifuku gaze. Oh yeah. Um, uh-huh. it's kind of like male gaze and object gaze mashed in together. So seifuku is uniform in, in Japanese, right? Yes,
1: seifuku gaze, you yes. call it. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So
0: the object itself is a reflection of, you know, how people see each other or see themselves, like, um, the the male gaze, I guess. Um, when they see the uniform. It's constant, you know, the per- they don't really see the person in it, they just say that. In
1: the Tokyo universe. Feminist, the podcast in French and in English, gathering feminist voices in Japan to bring women into the spotlight. Women and everyone else, when their voices can't reach from the other side of the planet. So today, I have with me Nobue-san, Nobue. It is your first podcast. Yes. It's my first time interviewing someone as well. So it's the first for both of us. But uh, despite some uh, minor arrangements that we had to do at the beginning, it's going very well. So let's go. (laughs) So your parents are Taiwanese. You and your parents, the entire uh, family basically lived in Japan for most of your life. And you speak Japanese, you speak Mandarin and English. Uh, Today we'll focus on English because I cannot (laughs) handle the other two. (laughs) I've been to Taiwan uh, about two years ago and it was amazing. So that is a small note for Mm -hmm. the people listening to that podcast. If you ever have the chance to go to Taiwan, go for it. Uh, Eat a lot of food. Yes, go to the (laughs) night markets. The night markets are the thing. It was amazing. We've been for... Five days and it was a great country. But then, Taiwan apart, the reason why I contacted you is because I heard that you're doing a thesis at the Bunka Gakuen University. Uh, And the theme of your thesis is the Japanese school uniforms. Is that right? Yes. Yeah.
0: So let's jump right in. But before that, you do have an exciting news. Yes, so this coming December, the first week, um, December 3rd, 4th, and 5th, me and my classmate are mm-hmm. curating an exhibition showcasing our both of our collections. Mm-hmm. Um, they're quite different, but our solid um, middle ground, I guess, or our common theme is um, rejecting the male gaze mm-hmm. and the binary sexual system. And we will have speakers um talking about these subjects on the opening night on December third at five PM. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's in Harajuku, um, Japan or Tokyo, Japan. Mm-hmm. Um in a space called Space Banksia. It's our call co- so me and my classmate are actually um creating a group called Designers with a Cause. Mm-hmm. Um and w- with that we are hosting our exhibition but we actually want this group to continue to host um pe- like activist artists mm-hmm. to like um come and gather other activists and whoever is interested in art mm-hmm. and like you know put that forward so, in the designing
1: industry basically Yes. Mm-hmm. so
0: like whether it be fashion paint yeah. um other design stuff
1: so designer f- with designers the cause. with a cause okay yes. Good. And do you have a group for that? Do you have a Facebook group or anything? We have an
0: Instagram. An Instagram going on?
1: It's called probably Designers Designers with the Cause. Okay, great. (laughs) It's quite interesting that you're doing that at Harajuku because it is the heart of, you know,
0: Japanese uh, fashion. Well, not Japan, uh, Tokyo fashion sense. Um, so I guess if we want to go all the way back, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, my first memory of wanting to make clothes was, um, on dolls if that makes sense yeah yeah, um in japan there's like not barbie but they're called Mm -hmm. they're like the specific like huge eyed like blonde dolls and they actually had stations in the these department stores where you can actually like physically make the clothes for these little dolls to me like that was the most like interesting part of like being able to dress up your dolls I think like that notion just kinda stuck around. Like all of my activities in like middle school and high school, I actually took like sewing classes rather than like playing outside or being an environmental club or something like that. Which is important. But it you know is. Yeah, for sure. You know. For me it was all about sewing. And then um and it wasn't until um a professor from the college I went to, um, Professor Sachiko, um, she actually like visited our classroom and I had made a 3d dress from something i painted. That and she was like you should come to fashion school. And then i discovered that my mom actually went to bunka um fashion um college mm-hmm. when she was um in japan, which is where i go now actually. So i went to savannah college of art and design, mm-hmm. got my bachelor's, and then i worked as a stylist for a little bit and then i came back here to um get my masters. Mm-hmm. Now we're here. <laughs> so it's really starting from childhood. Yeah. It was really you
1: playing around with dolls and not only playing, but also deciding you should redress them. Yes. Because like... they simply did not have a proper fashion style.
0: No. I yeah, just really either. didn't like the pink that they had, I think. <laughs> I always
1: was just dressing them up in blue stars. That is kind of linked to the the exhibition that you, you're thinking of with the male gaze and all.
0: Mm-hmm. They do
1: come, especially back in the days, they do come dressed in pink if they're girls. Yes.
0: Big... So, puffy and pink
1: especially in Japan you know I know those Lika dolls that you're talking about and mm-hmm. I think in France and other countries we would be more um, familiar with Barbie dolls or uh, the Brats which yes. are dolls that came up Ooh. later on that I did not play with because that was already <laughs> after my generation but I did have the uh, mandatory Barbie girl because I'm a girl uh, so I had a, Girls
0: had to have Barbies. You have to
1: have Barbies. I was not allowed <laughs> to have the little cars and the little army no. soldiers
0: and stuff like that, but I had and Barbies. And like the toy kitchens, because... <laughs> I got that one, of course, oh yeah. The kitchen. Oh my God, the other day, actually, in Costco. Two hours later...
1: Coming from France, uh, I didn't wear a school uniform a single time in my life. But I do remember my mom telling me, that she grew up with school uniforms. So friends used to have school uniforms. And I think we still do. My guess is that it's probably a lot more um, scarcer. I think it's probably maybe in, in private schools and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you bring a whole new interesting... Like, Did you have to wear a uniform when you were in Japan? Because that's where your education really started.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. So... I think well, I went to my international school from kindergarten till twelfth grade mm-hmm. and it was a private school and I did wear a uniform all throughout. Um I actually don't remember a time where I wasn't wearing the uniform, I uh-huh. think. Um, even in the preschool it was like pretty basic, but it was the hat, the bag and the T shirt with the <laughs> Little, like, daffodil on the side or yeah, something like that. The little blaze, right? That is yes.
1: a very cute one. You started with the little kid version mm-hmm. with just a hat and yeah. a bag. Maybe a bento box on yes. the side. Uh-huh. That is quite... That's something that you see a lot in Tokyo, to be yes. honest. And then from there, you shifted to the full-on uniform that I think most of the foreigners know, which is the schoolgirl uniform with the skirt and the, the jacket and all.
0: Yes. To me, it's always been the shirt, skirt, navy socks... Leather shoes Mm -hmm. and navy sweater.
1: Yeah. The the, the image I have of it is that you go to shops for that, right? I mean, your school probably is giving you shops Um, to go to. We had a
0: specific shop that we had to go to um, called Isetan. It was very expensive. expensive. Yes, it was very expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, I think to my knowledge, if you went to another school, you were able to buy it in like department stores. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you... The, there was like thing in the early 2000s actually where they weren't they were selling uniforms that didn't belong to a school mm-hmm. but they were like cuter right like they were made to hang out on the street so like high schoolers would actually like buy these uniforms and like wear them after school because in school you'd have all these like strict rules like you know skirt length can't be over the knee mm-hmm. um the bow tie can't be like loose mm-hmm. all that maybe so, no pins or yeah, no anything no decoration, decoration. no decoration
1: nothing. uh that is something that we're going to touch on uh, later on the you know the whole you know uh, uniform is kawaii and i see a lot of kids both you know boys and girls uh, wearing it even not on school days because mm-hmm. it's just so popular So we'll talk about that. Did you have any feelings with it? Did you ever have a day where you thought that you would rather not have a uniform? Or the opposite, where you had days where you're like, yeah, I like my uniform and I'm so happy I'm wearing it.
0: Actually, both. Definitely both. Um, So our uniforms were very militarized at some point when um, we were acting a, a little crazy. I guess um, at one point like our whole class had to like line up at the back of the classroom and now that I'm saying it's kind of weird but like we would have to like actually bend a little bit to see if our skirt length would like go higher than a certain point. It was like a female teacher, but still it's it's a little weird. It's a lot weird. Yeah. <laughs> That's not okay. Yeah. And our socks had to be navy, not black. We couldn't have any like not neutral colored nails and no makeup at all. No face piercing except ears. Mm-hmm. Only one piercing on the mm-hmm. ear. And your hair had to be natural. Natural. Yeah. All natural. There was once where, so, um, our physical education, we also had uniforms with that. That actually ends in 10th grade because as we go into the IB program, it doesn't fit into our schedule. So, me and a few of my friends decided that, um, it would be a great idea to, like, cut up our uniform and make it into a different design. Like, Uh we had, it was like kind of like Coachella, um, influence. Like, we cut it up and, like, we tied it together. So it was like a cute crop top with like a high waist shorts and like a skirt or something like that. That and we, sounds amazing. We, yeah, and we showed up to class, and <laughs> she, our teacher didn't even say anything because she just didn't know what to say. So she dragged our like principal, and yeah, so we had detention. So they made us rake up the tennis court of leaves. It was very counterproductive. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: you know, I don't know if you know about the, the show Sex Education on Netflix right yes. now. And it's
0: hilarious.
1: Ed, I love it. That <laughs> This is everything that the new generation needs, you know, to yes. learn about life.
0: But the thing is that
1: without any spoilers, not for you, and not for the people listening, but there is the question in the third season that's going on mm-hmm. right now of uh, school uniforms. It's actually going on. And uh, we see a few characters who are not very happy about not being able to express themselves one is not super happy about uh, the gender uh, expression. Another one is not happy about just her not being able to express herself. So I have not finished it yet. And I'm really looking forward to how they finish addressing the topic of the uniform there and how this, the kids feel you know, about not being able to express themselves. So And you see kids were perfectly fine with it. And to be honest, with feminism and with any social um, situation, it's always like that. It's never black or, or white, you know, mm-hmm. it's always gray. And uh, I can totally see how you would have days where you're fine with it and days where you would rather not have it, you know, yes. makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uniforms, school uniform his, here is a big thing. You know? yeah, it's a it's... big
0: identifier mm-hmm. to what it, what they are in society and where they belong. It does give you
1: uh, the funny uh, moments where you see some girls sometimes in the train rolling up their skirts at the waist so that it looks a bit shorter. Mm-hmm. And probably when they get home or at school, then maybe they roll it down so that it comes down to the knee. Which is something that always, uh, it looks so funny because it's really bunched up. But at the same time, it's also quite fashionable for them, I think. Even if you can see, it's rolled up. I think it's just... The aesthetic of it. Yeah, it's a statement CC. I'm, you know, getting it shorter because Mm -hmm. I look amazing and they do. One of the things that one friend of mine answered to that was to say, yeah, but because of that, because they were wearing it so short, that's how you get the chicken. That's how you get, you know, the train (laughs) droppers which is always something that i never let uh, slide and always say you know it has nothing to do with how you're dressed you know when mm-hmm. you have um someone
0: aggressing you in the train or any, anywhere it has nothing to do with how you're dressed so i also definitely don't think it the length matters um if you actually see the statistics of the chikan, um all over japan not just tokyo um you see that the numbers are quite the same the um harassment numbers and uh well, uniform, um, they used to be able to identify where, which region is from, depending on like how they dress themselves. Like in Tokyo, you know, rolled up, all that. A little south, it's a little long. Nagano, it's a little long. And even then, girls have been harassed like since the 90s, like <laughs> especially from the 90s. And I actually kind of like think it's the mentality from the 90s that kind of stuck around when like the teenagers kind of boomed um back then like mm-hmm. the media mentality at the time actually you can just find like magazines where they were like oh these girls are so materialistic like they'll do anything for money blah 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 and it's kind of funny because it's also at the time um when the bubble burst so these men actually had no money to spend they shouldn't have been spending all this money but they were chasing these young girls for their cl- pieces of their clothing um, for like $300 or something. I did see a lot of those kind of um, of behavior because sometimes
1: it get it actually gets out on the medias of some mm-hmm. creeps uh, paying a, a girl an insane amount of money for uh, her skirts when she's out of graduation or sometimes yeah. even underwear and stuff like that. And um, did you ever feel like you wanted to put some... You know, boys' pants on instead of the skirt.
0: Well, my school did offer, like, even if we were if we were an all-girls school, we they do offer pants um, as part of the uniform. And I actually did wear um, them for maybe one month. <laughs> but um, I feel like there was like a definitely a social pressure to keep wearing the skirts, um, mm-hmm. even though it was like freezing outside and snowing. We even had like this like competition of who can wear socks in the winter the longest because um, like we were allowed to like change to tights but only navy tights so it was like ugly so we had to wear like those low socks and like really short skirts mm-hmm. in the winter in the snow because you didn't want to wear the because we did blues. not want uh-huh. to wear the socks the navy tights or the gray pants because it was ugly
1: (laughs) oh you can do that you can wear the gray pants underneath the skirt they do allow you
0: to do that when it's
1: snowing and when they're like yeah but who wants to do that you know gray pants underneath the skirts no so you did wear the pants for a month Uh, yeah and how did you feel about that did you did it make you feel good or just warm or uh, did you feel the
0: social pressure or i mean i was very comfortable i think like i was able to sit however i liked um, opened my legs and whatnot. But um, I think when I like looked at pictures of myself in the playground with the other girls, it was just like that one chick with the pants. I felt like I was like singled out maybe. Being in uniform, it's very like you want to be in unison. Like,
1: school time is already hard enough and the slightest, smallest thing on you, you're going to be criticized. Mm-hmm. You don't want to stick up more. You know. You want to be all with your friends. And to me, when I thought about that whole thing about... Not seeing girls wearing pants, even though I know some schools—not all of them—some schools allow the pants, allow mm-hmm. you to wear it, to wear them. I know a lot of
0: girls choose not to because it's just too much of a stigma, you know, mm-hmm. You're just taking up too much. Yeah, I think it just has to be like normalized. Yeah, That's, then people yeah. can like be more comfortable with pants and like. Yeah. F- this is something that I thought about,
1: uh, I think, a few months ago where I was like, imagine yourself, picture yourself being uh, the director of a school mm-hmm. and you're a woman and you want to encourage the girls to make the choice if they want of mm-hmm. wearing pants more. And you know that a lot of them might want to but don't want to because of the social peer pressure and stuff. Mm-hmm. If you are a female director in a school like that or even a male director but you want them to feel you know, uh, more free how would you do it how would you and like how would you encourage them and show the example of yes you can wear pants without it taking 80 years to get there you know <laughs> and like oh. and and I, that's not a test like that's <laughs> not a that was really just something that i thought about a year ago and i was like okay let's say let's say no more skirts let's say we we you know we take out the skirts and no more skirts in the school for anyone that's not fair. You do have girls who want yeah. to wear the skirts, so you can't do that. And you're mm-hmm. going to have a rebellion on your arms if you do yeah. that, because the skirt looks cute, and and some of them want to look cute. So that's not that's not possible. Maybe let's ask the teachers <laughs> to stop wearing skirts and only wear pants. But that's the same thing. You're not mm-hmm. going to ask teachers to. Yeah. You're not control how they they you know they dress. It's a hard one. Yeah. You know?
0: I think I would like try to make the pants look cute, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. like high waist or like have a different pattern to it. Oh uh, yeah, make it special, you know. Yeah, make it fashionable. Yeah, yeah so that, like the skirts not... have a pin, so maybe like have a different pleat or fun pockets. Fun, that'd be that'd be pockets fun. that would be a good point. You know, that could be a good strategy of
1: maybe asking a fashion designer to design the pants only yeah. and not
0: the skirts. Yeah, and exactly maybe... how they clasped up the uniform.
1: You, the uniform is so popular, and it's such a fashion statement here, that sometimes you even see big brands designing, uh, in, kind of doing a kind of collaboration with the school. Mm-hmm. And I know that some schools even use that here you know, to attract students, you know, oh, they, like yeah. come to our school because our uniform is cute, mm-hmm. and this famous guy or this famous woman designed the school uniform. So you've seen that before, right? A yes. Kind of collaboration. Yeah.
0: They've actually even appeared on Vogue, like, back in the 90s. Yeah. And that's still how some people choose their high schools here too I heard that
1: before I heard that not all of them not all the teenagers but I heard that some teenagers mm-hmm. do compare uh the, un- the school uniforms in order to choose their-, their schools which seems insane but at the same time Yeah, you're a teenager and society is hard and people are judging you. So you do have colors that are a bit considered as out with uniforms. Mm -hmm. Uh, A friend of mine was telling me how she didn't choose her high school for the uniform. But when she discovered that her high school had beige uniform, she was very happy about it for her. Like beige jackets. And then the rest of it, I think she mentioned that it was black or something. Mm. Yeah, school uniform here is a big thing. It's not just manga and anime. It's not something that we're forcing on the kids. It's enjoyed by kids. And very sadly, it's also enjoyed by adults. And that's kind of the next topic. Is the whole reason why we're talking about that in a feminist podcast is that uniforms are for kids and for minors. And yet in Japan and in other countries as well, uh, it's highly sexualized. You open Google and you search schoolboy. (laughs) <laughs> you see a lot of normal school, school boys, you know, going to school and, you know, with their bags and stuff. And then you type schoolgirls and, you know, welcome to the porn sphere. This is what's going on. And, and sadly, in Japan, you do have the manga anime culture, which is... Uniforms are a big thing. And anime and manga, you see those characters, female characters, who look like their kids. Uh, even though, probably in the story, they're adults, probably. But they look like their kids and they have already a body that's very sexualized with enormous boobs and, and a <laughs> tiny waist we all we've all seen it we've all watched you know one piece uh i remember that one character who was nami i think uh the red hair character and she has enormous boobs with a super small waist and a huge butt and she's 100% adult in that anime but i think i hope but <laughs> I'm, I'm having a doubt now but in, the, in other manga, this is still the style we have. And sometimes some of them have school uniforms. And here is when it gets strange because you're like, they're kids. Because they look like kids. But yet you see the underwear, you know, because the skirt is so short. And there's huge boobs. And this is where the, the, the lines get very blurry for me. It's the whole kawaii, sexy thing mixing up together. Mm-hmm. Which is the whole problem with uniform school it's something that I'm addressing in the manga and anime, so it has nothing to do with the real sphere. But I feel like that culture is also bleeding out a bit in the real yeah. sphere sometimes. Um, I think it's
0: quite, like, yeah, on the spot, just because um, it really is just, like, fantasy. Like, an embodiment of these male fantasies. It's drawn by men yeah. depicting on what these female characters should be or want, they want them to be. And it's, you know definitely probably a little disturbing mm-hmm. um and it's normalized it is yeah. really a lot in japan um the normalization of it is the problem
1: because that also translates to the teenagers and yes it's giving them the message that yes school uniforms are sexy but mm-hmm. you're a kid and you're wearing one and then you see those manga and sometimes you see those uh idols you know the the, the band idols like <laughs> Just randomly out of the an old one probably, but still quite active, I think, is the AKB48, which is quite different different from K-pop. Uh, K-pop I'm not super familiar with, but one of my best friend is, so all my knowledge is coming through her. And from what I see with her, with other like Blackpink and and groups like that, to me, that scream that screams woman. Mm-hmm. They're gorgeous. Uh, they do great singing, great great dancing. Uh, they dress great, but they dress women, you know, adult mm-hmm. women. Uh, if you look at AKB48, which is a very old group, it's AKB is Akihabara, if I'm correct. It's really 48 women of them. Uh, they actually the cycle out. They cycle because they cannot all stand <laughs> on stage because too much. I remember a few video clips that were uh, being displayed in Shinjuku on the big screens of Shinjuku and Shibuya, where you see them in suits, baths and stuff like that, but also, yeah, in school uniforms. They are adults, I think. Barely. Barely. Some of them might be minor than I'm, now that I'm thinking of it. I think there actually
0: like there's actually a
1: school. Yeah, you do have a school to teach them how to be kawaii. Some of them might be adults but they look minor. They look very young, mm-hmm. you know, and they look and they have those mimics. Um and they have all that editing on the video as well so that they have big eyes and they look very innocent. And they have this very way young, very young, and they act young. They act childish as well. They have a very high
0: squeaky voice. But this is the message that we get from manga and from idols. This even like goes back to like when those uniforms started to like happen. As a society, um, Japan like went through so much with the uniform. Um, start starting with like after well they de- developed the un- sailor uniform after the british military mm-hmm. and they as they were developing that they were going into a more militarized school or sorry, yeah school where they would train the men to go or boys to go straight to war or the women to be nurses and then and then they lose the war and then suddenly they're told that their emperor is no longer um radiant and then but what remain one of the like remaining things from the pre like defeat is these uniforms so these people who see these uniforms they remind them of like you know a, glor- a more better time glorious more nostalgic and they are suddenly yearning for these teenage these children um and you know that's kind of where like the sexualization comes from like it starts and then like you kind of fast forward to the 90s where the bubble just like everything was so good you know they're buying buildings in new york left and right Mm -hmm. and then boom it crashes and then suddenly these young girls are but like suddenly the market's um new clients because all these men are paying these girls crazy amount of money because you know they're kids and these adults are like Saying, "Oh, um, if I pay you, blah blah blah, would you give me this?" And they're like, "Well, what if what if I wanted this much more?" And they're and they're suddenly giving it to these girls. Mm-hmm. So like the prices are getting higher, and these are children, so they don't really like know what's normal, you know. And an adult is telling them that this is okay, like it's mm-hmm. okay to give them their underwear for thousands of dollars. Now all your friends are doing it, so you want to do it. And then the whole media frenzy like explodes and then the whole moral thing kind of because they're basically kind of like young prostitutes at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. And the media has a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a lot of argument of actually if um, saying, you know, it, was it actually even that crazy in the 90s or is it just the media's um, explanation of these whatever was happening in the situation? Um Because there were so many of it, like, both, like, the men magazines and then the television, even NHK would, like, talk about these girls. And when they would talk to these girls, they wouldn't even show their faces, but they would, you know, show their uniforms, which, you know, it was like an identifier of saying, oh, these are teens. So, here you go. Sure. But, oh, my gosh, I can see how that would be arriving on the screen because they're like,
1: we can't show their face because they're kids. But, but here's the their time, body. If you just show the body, that's also not okay, guys. Yeah.
0: But, you know, who's really in control? Is it the adults or is it the children who are asking for the more, more mm-hmm. money? Or is it the adults telling them that this behavior is okay? To which... You always answer it's the adults, because, you know, adults are the ones who are responsible for the action. You assume that Mm -hmm. they're right because they're older, Mm -hmm. which kind of, like, goes into, like, Japanese, like, relationship. Ah, the
1: whole Confucius uh, approach, right? The whole, you know, senpai, senpai kohai approach. That whole thing about those guys fetishizing over the school uniform paying a crazy amount of money that's also part of the manga uh, culture and the idols culture it's sending messages to mm-hmm. those kids where it's like yeah you are sexualized and that's not yeah and you know and you can get money this and way and you can get money that way and to be honest and when you are men young, will pay for this they will oh and you can ask more they will still yeah. pay yeah and it's you know and the thing is that i've heard that before about chicken about the croppers that we were mentioning before is that a lot of times, those girls, when they get cropped on the train, if they go to the police, the police might tell them, you're just doing that for money. You just want the latest iPhone. So you have that too, mm-hmm. you know. And I want to do an episode on the chicken, so I'll get back on that. But that is something that sometimes you you hear even from the police because of that whole 90s media yes. thing about how young girls are,
0: you know, only attracted to insane men. because, you know, these are... The, the children are the victim here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like... You should probably not have the adult like paying these girls so much money. Mm -hmm. Maybe you should stop them instead of stopping Yeah, like, hello,
1: idea. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's it's already, you know, it gets Hmm. me thinking into the whole, because Japan is so blurred with the sexy and the kawaii, kawaii being the cute kid, Mm -hmm. sexy being the adult woman. It blurs the line. Maybe that's where it's coming from is that it blurs the line so much that they forget that kids are kids,
0: Mm -hmm. you know,
1: and that, yeah, when I was a kid, when I was 18, 17, I did dumb stuff all the time, you know? Yes. And your role as an adult in society, as a parent, of course, but even as an adult in society, is to, the best you can, keep an eye out for them and to tell them, yeah, even if some old creep wants to give you money for your panties, don't do it.
0: You, you know? can say no.
1: Yeah. And I will give you money for you. Yes. Like, go wash your room <laughs> or something like that. And I'll give you money. That's how it goes with kids. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So that is definitely a question that we should ask ourselves from now on. The uniform, what, how, to counteract the sexualization of it?
0: Yeah, that's well. That's kind of what my thesis is about. Um, it's called the seifuku gaze. Oh yeah. Um, uh-huh. it's kind of like male gaze and object gaze mashed in together.
1: So seifuku is uniform in, in Japanese, right? Yes. Seifuku gaze, you yes. call it. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So
0: the object itself is a reflection of, you know, how people see each other, or see themselves, like, the male gaze, I guess, Um, when they see the uniform, they don't really see the person in it, they just see that, and the idea is constantly there, but the person wearing the uniform, you know, it's a phase for her, you know, she's not going to be a teen forever, so she has the reflection of, like, she has the gaze on her, but then is suddenly out of it, and she has the opposite gaze, instead of just saying, like, oh, it's a male gaze, this is also... Seifuku gaze yeah, like, yeah
1: do you have any anything interesting in in your thesis that you'd like to share today with like what you found out and maybe you talked to people and you discovered some stuff.
0: or so um so the male gaze is basically um coined by Laura Mulvey mm-hmm. um back in 1975 i think yeah true um a film theorist and um, and then there is the female gaze, coined by Joey Soloway, and both of these ga- um, theories actually point out three different things um, within the gaze. And with my gaze, uh, the Seifika gaze, I actually pointed out also three different points that kind of mixes in with the object gaze, which is kind of like Kant's theory of like the um, reflection, I think, mm-hmm. the reflection of what a non-animated object can like do, like you know if someone is holding a can and you see yourself within the can like you are suddenly self-conscious of yourself yeah mm-hmm. of like who you are and what you're doing um so it's kind of like that but with this safety uniform and i think one of the points where um was the social stance that it states in japan like w- um say like you're a 50 year old man walking and you see a girl in uniform you see a you know underage girl that may want to harass i don't know Mm -hmm. um for example yeah for example Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then or it can be another girl in uniform seeing um you in the uniform getting harassed and she might want to help you because you have a uniform and she understands how you feel in a uniform and that kind of goes into my second point of like camaraderie where um you don't even have to like know this person but like the moment you see the identifier of the uniform you want to connect or not even connect you want to like But you know what her shoes feels like.
1: So I think that's, uh, that's basically it for today with the topic. It's already quite long and I'll have a lot of work <laughs> to do to edit mostly myself out so that we hear more of you. Um, maybe we could catch up again in yeah. a few months once you're done with the thesis, if you want to talk a bit more about it. Mm-hmm. Today was our first episode, so uh, it was a bit mm-hmm. of a trial, uh, but I really enjoyed our talk together. Yes. Thank you very much for having me. I love this talk too. That was Feminist in Tokyo. I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can find all the information on our Instagram page.